Okay, guys, welcome. This is a uh, first time, a new program called Growing Together. Growing Together is all about having parent and children moments. So there's mother-daughter, father-daughter, mother-son, father-son. And then someone asked me if I would do one for in-laws. <laughs> we'll save that one. Actually, Shabbos, someone asked me that. So, um, but this is the first one. And the title is, Can She Hear Me? Both deserve to be heard. So I wanted to share with you, Hachayim. What is Hachayim Life Institute? That's the organization which I opened up to run these type of programs. We have lunch and learns, educational programs. That's all it does. It isn't a shul. It does counseling, it does, uh, and it does programs. Uh, lecture and educational programs. And the slogan of Hachayim is, Hachayim the Life Institute is, Divine Solutions. I wanted to share with you what that means so that we can understand from what approach we're going to be coming to this table here tonight. Okay? What it means is divine solutions, the way I see it, what it means is that there's a worm's eye view and there's a bird's eye view. The worm is on the bottom looking up, wondering how do I get out. The bird is from the top seeing the whole situation. When we as Jewish people approach a situation from the Torah's eyes, then we're getting a bird's eye view. Because if you look at it from a human constructed constitution, humans must learn from trial and error. We understand ourselves, we hypothesize above, and that's how we deal with issues. When we talk about a bird's eye view, we're looking at the Torah which serves as the blueprints to creation, and then understanding from there a bird's eye view of the situation. So please understand what we're doing here tonight is, in a Jewish environment, we're approaching the issue from a bird's eye, the Torah, divine solutions. What that means to us primarily here tonight is, that when you sit and you hear a psychology course, there's not one psychology hat fits all. Different people, different temperaments. When you talk about a Torah view, then we need to understand that what I'm asking you here to do is not to sit and listen to a human giving a human thought and then make it subjected to, do I agree or don't I agree? What is to be viewed here tonight as does it fit you or not is only the packaging and the delivery. But the point that I share with you here is not my own, it's directly from the Torah. So what you are going to have to do is use your inner tailor to alter the delivery so that a hat fits you and that it serves as a personal message and something that you and your daughters can deal with. Now please understand, I say this a lot of times from the pulpit in my sermons, human, Jews do not have humanitarian causes at all. There is no such thing for a Jew as a humanitarian cause. The reason why Jews help in global relief projects is because to us it's a divine order. When a Jew approaches a post-tsunami situation and we're flying in with our jets and our doctors and doing stuff that we do, we do not do it as a humanitarian cause. Why and what's the difference? I've given a lot of sermons on that. But for what I want to share with you tonight is understand that from a Jewish perspective, the reason why I am involved in any relief projects is because God 
has told me that I must do that. It's a divine ordinance. Not a humane ordinance for me to sit back and think, do I care? Are enough people taking care of it? Do I have to get involved with every relief program or not? So understand that when we're sitting here tonight discussing what seems to be a human, moral, humanitarian issue of mothers and daughters communicating, understand that we're looking at it not from the eyes of a humanitarian cause, understand that we're looking at it as a divine cause. And this divine cause divides into two situations. Number one, we do it because God told us to do it. That makes us divine. Number two, we look at all creations as a creation of God, which ultimately makes it a piece of God, which means I'm not helping another human being which I care or don't care about, I'm actually helping a creation of God, a piece of God. That means that in our world, we elevate things from the worm's eye view of humanitarian causes, should we care, shouldn't we care, how much do we care, to a bird's eye view of a divine cause. It's a divine cause because God told us we have to do it, and it's a divine cause because who we're talking to and what we're talking about is divine creatures living in a divine struggle. So understand that this is not a humanitarian evening here. Mothers and daughters should learn how to talk together. It's just a nice humane thing. No. It's actually a divine thing. Vishinamtam Livanecha, to teach your children, is a divine thing. For children to be able to talk to their parents is a divine thing. It's a divine thing because the relationship is divine, because the mother is divine, and because the daughter is divine. So understand that I'm not sitting here as a psychologist wannabe. I'm sitting here as a student of Chabad Hasidis and a student of the Torah. That's how we're approaching this, from a bird's eye view. With that being said, one more little introduction. In the world of Hasidus, there is the written law and there is the oral law. You're familiar, of course, when we talk about the written law, we're talking about Tanakh, the Chumash, the prophets, the scriptures, and we're talking about the oral law as the Talmud. What is that in the world of Hasidim when we talk about the Torah of Hasidus? Understand that what we're talking about is the written law of Torah Hasidus is the teachings of the Rebbes. Tanya, Maimorim, so forth and so on. That's not what I want to talk to you about right now. What I want to talk to you about is what is the oral law of Hasidim? We talk about Hasidis has the oral law. What is that? Believe it or not, in the world of Hasidis, we refer to the stories that are told of Hasidim and of Rebbes. The oral law, amongst that, probably one of the greatest masterpieces we have, is the memoirs and the personal diary of the previous Rebbe. In that diary, he actually writes his thoughts of a child. He wrote it as a child throughout his whole life. And he actually gave out pieces of that diary. You're talking about such intimate things of he actually struggled with his father. His father was a Rebbe. His father was very often out of Lubavitch in Moscow and abroad dealing with global Jewish issues. And there was a point where he writes that as a child, he was wondering whether he has a father. Imagine the previous Rebbe sharing this with us. 
He shares with us the night that his father called him in and told him, until now I was not able to personally educate you. From here on, you will be dealing only with me. And then he writes how his father started crying, telling him, I was not able to do this until now. This is a very intimate thing. So I want you to know that what I'm going to tell you right now hurts me. It hurts me to say this. But there are Hasidim who have a phenomenal knowledge and understanding of what it means to be an individual Hasid. But unfortunately these same people have very little knowledge of what it means to be a Hasidic parent. Now, if we talk about Hasidus as warmth, joy, light, love, can you begin to imagine what kind of parenting we're dealing with? So please understand that you can meet many Orthodox Jews who will tell you what's kosher and what's not kosher and what you're allowed to do on Shabbos and what you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. But they're clueless when it comes to discussing sex education with their kids. They're clueless about dealing with the struggles of a teenage girl. So understand that what we're doing here tonight is taking a bird's eye view, which everything I have here tonight is based on a mimer of the Rebbe. He said it in 1971 on his birthday. Flavored with the pages upon pages of reading that I did of the previous Rebbe's diary. So I just want you to understand where we're coming from. With that being said. So, the email went out. The uh, Facebook... New stage in my life. Became a Facebook rabbi. The Facebook invite went out. And the title read, Does she hear me? Now, I can safely assume that parents, or mothers, saw that. That's something I want to know. How do I get my daughter to hear me? I want you parents to know, respectfully so, that your daughters have the same question. Does my mother hear me? But I also want to talk to you about the second part of that sentence. Both deserve to be heard. I want to know if you reacted to that part of the title as much as you reacted to the first part of the title. Because the first part of the title is about me. I want to know if she hears me. The mothers are sitting here. Yeah, I want to know. Does my daughter hear me? Sometimes I want to wring her neck. She doesn't hear me. Why isn't she hearing me? The daughters, please understand, are equally sitting here wondering, does my mother hear me at all? But now I want to talk about the second part of that title. Both deserve to be heard. In all fairness to the girls, probably they had an easier time hearing that second part than you mothers did. Because the daughter understands that the mother has to be heard. But they want to equally be heard. The mothers, I'm not so sure whether the mothers understand that the daughters need to be heard. There's a little problem here. You remember when your daughter was cute and didn't have an opinion? Then they grew up. My sister has this great little uh, magnet on her fridge. When our kids are little, little, we want to eat them up. When they grow up, we regret we didn't. The daughters grew up on us. Daughters have opinions. They have styles. They have taste. 
We have a situation on our hands. Now I am sure, if I asked the mothers here in the room, do you hear your daughter? You're going to nod, of course. We understand that our daughters need to be heard. I wonder if any of you mothers ever asked your daughters this question. Do you feel that you are, in bold italics, next word, respectfully heard? I want to discuss the word respectfully heard. What does the word respectfully heard mean? Respectfully heard means that when you hear what your daughter says, it changes how you understood her and the situation. So your daughter calls you up, Mom, my friends are getting together tonight, we're going to the mall, and with this and with that, can we go? And of course, like a good mother, you ask the one big question. Is there any adult with you? Who's driving? Oh, my friend, see, her mom gives her the car. Which friend, the 16-year-old? No, you can't go. And then your daughter wants to explain the situation. How many of you mothers, at that point, respectfully hear your daughter explain the situation? Because you already heard the one question you had to hear. There's a teenager driving, they're going out, and my girl is not going with them. So understand that the definition of the respectfully heard means that when your daughter says, but Ma, can I tell you what's going on? You are open to have a change of opinion on the entire situation. That does not mean that your verdict will change. But it does mean you stop what you're doing and you hear your daughter. You respectfully hear your daughter. So we all quickly say, of course both deserve to be heard. My girl, I mean, she's a mature girl, she's a thinking girl, honor roll student. Of course I'm proud of her, of course I listen to her. I'm not sure your daughters feel that way. I'm not sure that your daughters feel that you respectfully hear them. So understand that if what your daughter is feeling is the rhetorical mocking question. You said what you had to? I heard you? Okay, I didn't change my mind. If that's what your daughter feels, then please know you did not respectfully hear. So when we talk about both deserve to be heard, we're talking about both respectfully deserve to be heard. The second part of that title is probably more important than the first part of that title. It's really important. <laughs> Got laughing girls and mothers, okay. <laughs> now I want to talk to the girls, daughters. Please understand that once your mother has respectfully heard you, you know that your mother backed down and she wanted to hear what she doesn't know about the situation. And you explain to her, no, it's not like we're going on the 95, it's just going from Hillel to, to, to Lomans Plaza, how much driving is it, the whole nine yards. Once you know that your mother has respectfully heard you, please hear what I'm about to tell you. Do not expect a 50-50 power balance between your opinion and your mother's opinion. So what you heard me tell your mothers in front of you was that they must respectfully hear you. But now please hear what I'm telling you. That once you were respectfully heard, 
There is no democracy in a mother-daughter relationship. There's no democracy here for two reasons. So, let me tell you two stories. One to the mothers and one to the daughters. Mothers. The previous Rebbe got married very young actually. And he was put in as principal of the first original Lubavitchi Yeshiva Temchatimimim in the city Lubavitch next to Smolensk in Belarus. And one of the students did something that wasn't acceptable. And the previous Rebbe punished him. In those days it wasn't time out. The previous Rebbe punished him. And gave him a set of what he has to do. This boy went to the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, which was the previous Rebbe's father, and cried. And told the Rebbe, I did wrong. And I understand that. And I'm doing teshuva. But please, this punishment is overwhelmingly harsh. The previous, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe heard him, called in the staff, and told the staff, I want you to overlook what this boy did, and I want you to overlook the punishment he was given. The previous Rebbe came back from wherever he was, and he heard that his father overruled what he did. He walked into his father, and he told his father, God forbid, by the way, how do I know the story? It's because the previous Rebbe told it to the Rebbe, who wrote it to someone in a letter, who, what I saw. He said as follows, God forbid I should question my father, the Rebbe. I don't question you. But I am resigning. Because I can't do my job this way. I will not be able to fill my, fulfill my responsibilities. The end of the story is unimportant for here. What's important for here is, mothers, you gave your daughters a job description. You gave your daughters a direct, objective job, responsibility. Their jobs are to grow up into responsible, accountable, Jewish young ladies. If you don't respectfully hear them when they're talking to you, then you are making it impossible for them to fulfill the objective that you yourself gave them. So while you can look at this, and that's actually what the Rebbe was talking about, he was talking about someone that was working in yeshiva. So while you can look at this story as a simple definition of an org chart, Rebbe is up here, hires a head of school, and then he overrides the head of school, the head of school resigns. I just can't do this. I'm not questioning you. You're my father, you're the Rebbe. But I need to resign. You've tied my hands from doing what I have to do. I'm not going to sit in a position not being able to fulfill it. But if you read the diaries of the previous Rebbe and his relationship to his father, you will be able to see that this story is not just about an org chart. It's about a parent-adult-child relationship. Guys, you ever heard this uh, interesting phenomena of a mother screaming at a daughter, why can't you be responsible? Do you understand the oxymoron that's going on here? It's amazing that you find the parent screaming at the child. Why are you screaming? She needs to understand this. 
We need to understand that if we're asking our daughter that we are giving you the job of growing up now to be accountable, responsible, young Jewish women. And then when they talk to us, we treat them like half imbeciles. Yeah, 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 I, I heard you. The answer is no. Then they have to resign. Ma, I quit. I am not working no more on becoming an accountable, responsible, young Jewish woman. You're not letting me. You cannot become responsible without being given responsibilities. So I understand you. You're a Yiddish mama. You don't want me to fall and hurt myself. You want to make sure I don't make no mistakes. No problem. But I resign. I will be your puppet. That's all. That's what that story is telling us. So when you hear that you have to respectfully hear what your daughter is saying, I mean exactly what I'm saying. Respectfully hear what they are saying. Stop. Put your opinion on hold with an open-mindedness that I might have to change what I told her. Because now I have to hear things I don't know. I need to hear who my daughter is. I need to hear what the situation is. I need to hear maybe I still look at her as my little girl. She's not my little girl no more. She's actually a young, beautiful woman. That's the first side of the story. Now I want to tell the daughters the second side of the story. I spoke in Beis Chana. That's how this all came to be. I used to walk inside. They asked me to do a taboo-free session for the girls. Things that the girls won't ask their teachers. Things that girls won't ask their parents. So they wanted me to come in and sit with them. And as I'm sitting down to talk, the principal and the teacher plot themselves down there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I kindly told them, make up your mind. It's either taboo free or you guys want to be in here. <laughs> it can't be both. And a year later, I met the, one of the women and I couldn't recognize her. I said, you don't remember who I am? I said, no, I'm the teacher you kicked out of my classroom. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> but that's what I did. I want to tell you what I asked these girls. Used to come by once every two weeks, three weeks. It was for each class of the high school. And I asked the girls the following scenario, and I'm asking you girls that. So you have a mother, each one of you is here in the room, have a mother that would cut off her right arm for you in a heartbeat. If that's what had to be done, that's what she would do. But you're still going to take advice from an equally hormonal, imbalanced 16 or 17 or 18 year old classmate. What's wrong with this picture? So the one person you won't go to is the mother who's willing to cut her arm off for you. But to this classmate who's as confused as you are, her you're going to turn to. What do I do? I this, I that. Now don't get me wrong. Your friend probably loves you. And your friend probably is trying to give you the best advice that she can. But for heaven's sake, she's 16, 17, or 18 years old. Have you guys ever heard the saying, the blind leading the blind? I mean, let's put things in perspective. Let me tell you something very interesting. You see, the one thing your mother can tell you that you can tell your mother is, been there, done that. Believe it or not, your mothers used to be teenagers. 
Now, we're going to need to explore soon why you don't see that. And I'm not so quick to blame you girls. Mothers, I have not come here to be nice to you or to your daughters. I came here to be honest. It's a crime what's going out there. You have a daughter who's talking to her classmate, getting lopsided advice. I don't think tonight's the time to be nice. So we need to understand why the daughters in this room think that their mothers totally don't understand the entire picture. My mother, in her days, my mother never had a boyfriend. A text from a boy, are you kidding me? A picture on a Facebook. <laughs> what does my mother know? We're going to talk about that tonight, guys. We seriously need to talk about that. But be it as it may, say, as it may be, please understand that your mothers can tell you girls, been there and done that. None of you girls can tell that to your mother. So do understand that when I tell you that once you have been respectfully, bold italic, respectfully heard by your mother, do not expect now a democracy. Okay, let's vote. I vote, I should go. Mom votes, I shouldn't go. Okay, what are we going to do now? No, that's not what's happening. It's not happening because God gave your mother the power that He didn't give you. Number one, we're Jews here in this room, right? We know the Torah. One of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. Plain and simple. You like it or you don't like it. You think that your mom's stupid, old-fashioned, da-da-da-da-da. It's all beautiful. Ten Commandments does not say honor your cool, hip, with it, intelligent, know-it-all mom. It doesn't say that. It says honor your mother. That's all it says. She doesn't have to pass your test. You need to honor her. That's from a divine perspective. Please understand, it also is from a logical perspective. Your mother was a teenager. She's gone through what you went through. So I do want to be very clear here. At the end of the day, when you discuss it with your mother, and you give it your best shot, and your mother respectfully heard you, then you need to accept that by the word of God and by the logic of human beings, my mother has a 51% vote and I have a 49% vote, which means she wins. Which leads us to a very, very interesting question. Here is the interesting question. Why should I tell my mother what I'm doing and risk her telling me that I can't do it no more. If all that I can expect is to be respectfully heard and then vetoed down to nada, what do I need it for? What my mother doesn't know will keep her from turning gray and I'll do what I need to do. Where's the logic of hearing a lecture that you can talk to your mother, your mother has to respectfully hear you, and then gets to tell you no? You girls here don't look stupid or suicidal. So why would you do that? 
Why would you put yourself in that position? You see, there's always that beautiful thing where you have that real innocent look on your face. I didn't know you don't want me to do that. <laughs> really, I didn't know. You never told me. I didn't think you were doing that. But you never told me. So why would I take that away from myself? That's a very powerful tool of innocence. Guys, this question is what tonight's lecture is all about. Consider everything you heard up to now preparatory for this question. Let me go over the question. What's your name? Maya? Let me go over the question. The question is that you just heard that your rights, you know they read you the rights and they arrest you, your rights are to be respectfully heard. Your mom's rights are to tell you what you could and can't do. So why would I reveal to my mother things that I'm doing that she doesn't know and risk her telling me by the power bestowed in me by God Almighty, you won't be doing that no more. I don't need that. That's tonight's lecture. Guys, let's talk about this for a moment. The next piece of my lecture is called The Beauty of Communication. Which leads me into the next piece over here. Negotiation or communication. They are not one and the same. It's right behind by the kitchen. Let me ask you a question. Why do mothers and daughters talk? Let me dare to ask you a better question. When do mothers and daughters talk? You know when mothers and daughters talk? I can't tell you how often I've heard a mother quetch to me that if my daughter called me, she needs something. Think, think about all the letters and the emails and the texts and the phone calls you got from your children when in the summer camp. It's never to give you naches, thank you for sending me here, I'm having such a great time. It usually boils down to, ma, I need money. Isn't it amazing? Most mother and daughter communications aren't communications. They're at best negotiations. Let's talk about this for a moment. Let's talk about negotiations and communication has nothing in common. You see, at best, negotiation is a win-win process. In a win-win process, there is communication. I'm trying to figure out what you want. I'm trying to figure out what I want. I'm trying to see if we can be both happy. Can we both have a win-win? But unfortunately, most negotiations aren't win-win. It's basically, I got to win. You win, you lose. That's your problem. I got to win. Ma, you don't get it. I need to get you to say yes. So when your daughter walks up and starts giving you that little massage in the back, Ma, can we talk? Most mothers immediately respond, at least in the brain, what does she want? That is not communication. That is actually negotiation. And forgive me, dear girls, but as teenagers and as singles, I will tell you that we are all narcissistic 
until we're in a real relationship. Not the relationship where you go with the boy, you go on the mall with the boy, and he puts something on your Facebook and wall, and you think he's in love with you. Forget that garbage. He wants something, and you want something, and that's where it begins and ends. So, we're talking about a real relationship. Until you're in a real relationship, you're narcissistic. This is a fact. I've taught in yeshiva, and I've spoken in girls' high schools. I'm not insulting you, because, believe it or not, not too long ago, I was there. I'm only married 19 years. Only 19 years. So, please understand until you're in a relationship, you really only care about one side of the equation. I want to win. I wish my mother can win too, but if she has to lose, I'm sorry, that's just the way it goes. You really don't understand. And then there's that famous guilt button. I didn't ask you to have me. Which basically boils down to, you owe me. You brought me into this world. You make sure I'm happy. So understand that ultimately speaking, as teenagers, caring teenagers, not caring teenagers, responsible teenagers, irresponsible teenagers, you really don't understand yet what the word communication means. I would dare to say, with all due respect to you girls, you don't even know what the higher form of negotiation is. Because most times when two people want something, you end up coming to this beautiful conclusion that I can have what I want and you can have what you want if we just work it out. I got a great example today from someone. So husband and wife are having this uh, to do. They want to go out for dinner. And uh, the woman says, I want to go to Red Lobster. And the man says, no, come on. We're going to Steakhouse. Imagine what happens here, right? That's a beautiful evening about to go sour. And you didn't even finish putting on your makeup yet. So what happened here? See, in a win-win situation, girls, the husband turns around to the wife and says, Honey, what I'm hearing is that you want to go to the lobster place, Red Lobster. And she's saying, No, you're not hearing me. What I'm telling you is, I want seafood. And then all of a sudden the man explains, I don't really care about going to steakhouse. I just want meat. You see a whole fight that was about to happen, win, lose, lose, win. We can only go to one place. Either we go to steakhouse or we go to Red Lobster, assuming everything's kosher, right? But the bottom line is that I thought that this parable was amazing. Because in a win-win situation where you're communicating, not just trying to get what you want, you suddenly hear... That you can have what you want, and I can have what I want, and we'll both enjoy ourselves. That can only happen in communication. That isn't even real communication. What well, that is, higher form of negotiation. So what we're really talking about here on the table is that we don't even want to negotiate. We want to communicate. But before I dive into that, I wanted to just share with you that there's higher negotiation and there's lower negotiation. And most of us in our single years don't even think about higher negotiation. I'd love for my mom to be happy, but I need to first know that I'm going to get what I want to get because it's really important and I don't want to be the only girl in the class who doesn't go and everyone's going to make fun of me and my mother doesn't understand. Now let's talk about communication. What is communication? The Medrash says as follows. A pikach, a wise person, 
A wise person wants the beauty and depth of a communication. While the others who aren't that wise don't want a communication. You see, a communication is about knowing the person and being known by the person. The one who isn't wise actually wants only one thing. What can I get out of this and how can I get what I want? So please understand, the child who isn't wise would rather have a... What do you want? Yes, okay, just leave me alone. And the girl walks away smiling. I got it, I got it, I got it. Pulls out her cell phone, text. We're going tonight. While the wise child would rather have a no or a little less than yes, but be able to have a real communicative moment with the mother. I want to know who my mother is and why she thinks this way and I want to know that my mother knows me and knows why I think this way I'll handle my friends I'll come up with some excuse why I can't go out tonight but if I can have with my mother a 30 minute conversation of my mother explaining to me who she is why she doesn't want me to go how she sees me and if I can know that my mother really understands what it is in the year 2010 to be a teenage girl I'll deal with the no no problem with that so here's a question on the table I actually think that the reason why girls don't communicate today is not the girl's fault. I want to ask you mothers, respectfully, in front of your daughters, out of a 24-hour period, can you please now close your eyes, think of any 24-hour period in the last week, all the conversations you had with your daughter, and tell me how many of them wasn't about what you wanted her to do, what you wanted her not to do, or what she wanted from you. Think. Think. Every mother quetches. We don't talk. My daughter doesn't hear me. Now you tell me how many times in this last week we opted from 24 hours to 7 days. I'm giving you 7 days. You know what? She made nice to the mothers. I'm giving you 30 days. Tell me in the last month how many conversations you had with your daughters and how many of them were actually about what you want them to do, as in, clean your room, did you do your homework? So I really need to understand here, who's teaching who? That there's no communication, there's only negotiation. Because the wise child, the wise person, the getting the yes or the no answer is secondary to the depth and beauty of a communication. The art of communication is not the art of negotiation. We really need to understand this here. So, the question on the table is communication versus negotiation. 
I need to really uh, understand. And I want you to understand. When we talk to our daughters, what do we want? Do we just want them to just make us proud? Or at least stop giving us heartache? Or do we want to have communication? Do I want to know what my daughter is inside out? Girls, same question goes to you. So understand that I'm going to ask you girls a question. How many of you girls know anything about your mother's childhood? How many of you girls know what your mother was thinking and feeling when she was your age? How many of you know what the struggles your mother went to? I want to tell you a little secret. There were boys in those days too. So we need to understand. Is it only about, Mama, I got it, don't worry, don't worry. I know exactly how to get my mother to say yes. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, and I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to call Tati, and da-da-da, conquer and divide. You girls know that, right? That's a beautiful thing to do to your parents. Conquer and divide. <laughs> Sorry, divide and conquer, right? Divide and conquer. I'll ask Tati, you ask Mommy. This we have to always ask Mommy. This we have to always ask Tati. Don't tell that to Mommy. We'll wait till Tati comes up. We know that, right? Beautiful art of communication. We know exactly what we're doing. Kids are born with those tools. But then, then we need to ask ourselves, are we communicating? I need to ask you if you know anything about your mother, what makes her tick? Probably you girls know. I'm not starting out with you mothers, because I'm a parent. My kids know me inside out. You probably, you girls know, that your mothers, due to trauma of certain things in their childhood, are not open to discuss certain issues. Right? So if this mother had someone in the family who had a car accident, you can spit until you turn blue. You're not going to be driving until this and this age. Follow what I'm saying? So Ma said no. Is that all you heard? Why did Ma say no? What do you know about your mother? Let me ask you a very serious question. What do you know about your mother's difficulties as the offspring of either a Holocaust survivor or an immigrant? Do you have any idea what that meant? Do you have any idea what it meant? I'm just, well, we have here Latin and then and, uh, Russian, but do you have any idea what it meant for an American girl, the son of or daughter of Holocaust survivors, coming to America? Do you know that my grandfather didn't have who to talk to when, my, when he found out that my sister was going to Australia for seminary. So he let out all his frustration in the conversation to me. It was one of the most beautiful conversations I had with my grandfather, where he told me, I don't get it. In Poland, the daughter went from the father's roof to the husband's roof. There was no dormitory seminaries. It was just out of the question. And then, once he let out his nerves to me, he already told me how he spits blood when he sees my sister doing exercise. A girl? A single girl doing exercise? You have to understand that in his life, a single girl was a porcelain doll. 
that was put nicely on the shelf and very protected. I never understood this. But when I did hear this, I began to understand what my mother went through. My mother, for those of you who know her. My mother was not exactly being brought up like that. My mother had friends in Beis Yaakov and they drove bicycles. So I have to tell you what happened to my grandfather when he heard that girls on a bicycle. Do any of you girls know what your mother went through? Let me ask you mothers. Do any of you mothers really know besides of what your daughter is supposed to do, and what she's not supposed to do, and what she doesn't understand yet, she's too young. Do any of you mothers understand what it means to be a teenager with a cell phone, text, Facebook, Twitter, I mean, let's go on and on and on. Any of you girls, any of you mothers understand what's going on? Besides always checking up, making sure there's no pictures, and who's talking to her, and then this and that, and, and then giving her a fit and a half at night. You ever talk to your daughters? You understand what I'm putting on the table here? I'm afraid that the mothers can understand. The daughters, I don't know if you were given a fair chance yet to even understand what real communication with a mother means. <coughs> so what we're here tonight to talk about is, does she hear me? I hope your mothers didn't come here thinking that I'm going to convince your girls that you have to listen to your mothers. And I hope you girls didn't think that you came here to hear me tell your mothers, hey, loosen up guys, okay? They're good girls, just let them be. This isn't the year 1942 in wherever. This is America. They're good girls, okay? I hope you both didn't come here to hear this. Because what I'm really asking you to do is if you understand what communication means. Let me share with you something very interesting. Mothers, please listen. You mothers went through something that your girls aren't going through. We call that a generation gap. So while you mothers love to roll your eyes and give the shock look on your face, today's girls, we never did such things. Please hear me mothers and daughters when I tell you that between Mothers and mother's mother, there was a generation gap. Your parents most probably, making an assumption here from my experiences with people I've met, your mothers probably could not hear you. They just could not hear you. See, the difference between you and your daughters are only in the trimmings. Proportionally speaking, they're only in the trimmings. You did this shtick, can they do that shtick? You guys went to the ice skating rink Saturday night and they're texting. It's all the same. It's trimmings. There's no essential difference between what you guys were doing and your daughters are doing. I, obviously, I'm not talking about all cases, you know. I've met some unfortunate cases where you figure, you just wonder how this apple fell off of this tree. But that's not what I'm talking about in this room. In the larger picture I can share with you, mothers and daughters, stop playing shocked and stop playing stupid. You guys proportionally have no generation gap at all. Between you mothers and your mothers, many of you went through a, an essential generation gap. Which leads to a little bit of an issue. 
because your mothers may very well have not been able to communicate with you. Now please hear what I'm about to tell you mothers. Unnecessarily so, you're doing that to your daughters. Do not compare the gap between you and your daughter to you and your mother. For most, I'm not saying everyone, for most. For most of the people that I know, there was an essential gap between your mother and you, and while between you and your daughter, there isn't an essential gap. You are very capable of communicating with your daughters, hearing your daughters, knowing your daughters, letting your daughters know you. You're very capable about talking about your teenage years and your... Be, be smart, mothers. I'm not telling you to just, you know, have an undressing session and tell your daughters everything you did. Neither am I telling the girls to tell their mothers everything they do. But understand that there is no generation gap. Do you know what there is between mothers and daughters in today's generation? There isn't a generation gap, there's a generation loneliness. There's a loneliness between mothers and daughters in today's generation. And loneliness is defined by lack of communication. Communication is defined by knowing and to be known. So, girls, please hear me. While most of you maybe gave up on even having that level of communication with your mom, and most probably you roll your eyes when your mother says something in front of your friends, like, there goes my mother again. Right? And then you go home, and in deep anger and frustration, you try to numb your loneliness, lack of communication, with toys. So what I want to bring to this table here is, That it's not about getting your daughters to do what you want them to do. And it's not about getting your mothers to let you do what you want to do. That's negotiations. And if that's how you look at your mother-daughter relationship, then the question I started this lecture with is unanswerable. Why? Why would I tell my mother what I have on my iPod if she's going to take away my iPod? And why am I going to tell my mother about my other Facebook account if the minute she goes on, she's going to make me shut it down? That question is real. If all you see between mother-daughter relationship is mommy needs to get daughter to do what mommy wants and daughter needs to get mommy to let her do what she wants. But if what we're talking about here in this room is about the art of communication then please understand, mothers and daughters, you need to be able to communicate with each other. Stop negotiating. Stop pulling the wool over each other's eyes. Sit down and talk. Sit down and have a conversation with each other without any ulterior motives. Ma, there are some things you don't know about me. I want to talk to you about them. I want to know what you went through when you were 17 years old. Did you even deal with these issues? Or a mother tells a daughter, I want to talk to you. Yeah, you see me now as the put-together mom who's dealing with this program and that program involved with this PTA and that. 
Do you know who I was when I was your age? You think I was born clear? We're all born confused. We all deal with issues from within our body and from outside social pressures. That's the real question at the table. Do we communicate? So I want to share with you. There is no generation gap that I know for most of the mother's daughters who I deal with today. But there is another problem. There's a lack of being brave enough to have a conversation. Mothers, beware. You're going to hear some things you don't want to hear. And as a mother, you're going to want to make that gavel hit the judge's table, and that's out of the question, and don't you ever, and if I see and you go and you come, you're grounded for a lifetime and a half. Mothers, you're going to hear stuff you don't want to hear. And you are going to use your best poker face you've ever had in your entire life. Later, later when your daughter leaves, you run to the bathroom and sob like a baby. Trust me, been there and done that. Conversations I have with my sons, God bless them. I opened up all the doors, and sometimes I sit there listening to stuff thinking, did I really have to hear this? Swallow hard, give the right answers, understand them, accept them, don't judge them, don't save them. They didn't come to you to be saved, and they didn't come to you to be judged, and they didn't come to you to take care of their problems. Girls, I want to share with you something personal. My sons and I, my two sons and I, have a great relationship. I have a son who's out of town, which if he calls, he's going to call within the next 10 minutes. I'm going to interrupt this and answer the conversation. Then I have a talk with him for a moment. I just want you to know my son has been out of town now for over two years. Every single day, he talks to me. Last night was time. really tired. I just want to say goodnight. No problem, sweetie. Love you. We talk every single day. The night before he left my house, I told him, Mendel, until you or I die, Every single day we're going to talk. It could be a 10 second thing. We talk. Mind you, every single month I get on a plane and I see my son. His classmates didn't do with that very nicely. And I had to talk to him about that. My local son has me come every single day to yeshiva. And I just found out recently that because of the Bamitsu speech I gave him, and because that every time I see him I go like this, which means, tuck yourself in, kiddo. It's a sickness. I, I don't understand it. Yeshiva boys think that the shirts go on outside, the tits go on lopsided. It's just one of those things. And I don't tolerate that. My kids ask me why. I tell them, tuck yourself in, and then tell me how you feel, and you'll understand why. There's just a difference when you behave, when you dress, and when you behave, when you dress. And I found out that they're taking some slack from their classmates about me. One of the kids, the minute I poked yeshiva, chazak, talk in. Then I just found out there's another kid from his bar mitzvah, which was between New Year's and Yom Kippur, or Shon Yom Kippur, has been telling him, chazak, you need to be a leader, you need to be a leader. So I had this conversation with my kids, both of them separately, by the way. But both conversations, the exact same questions they asked and the exact same answers. I asked both my kids, whether it's Mendel Chazak, tell me something. 
Don't you think that your classmates are jealous of the relationship you have with your father? Don't you think they're making fun of you to make up and hide what they really are very jealous of? I asked that to my son. So it came to a point where the kid's like, Mendoz, your father on the phone. But you tell me, which kid in your class does not want to be called every day by his father just for a good night, sweetheart, I love you. Everything okay? Tell me which one of your kids don't want their father to leave his city, get on a plane, and come to see you once a month. And then I asked my other son, tell me, which one of your kids in your class who make fun of you do you think are not totally jealous of the type of conversations they see you and me taking a walk, sitting on the bench when you had a hard day? I do that in yeshiva. Sit down with him, we'll have a conversation. My kids didn't answer me. But from the looks in their eyes, both of them separately, from the looks in their eyes, I saw and heard what out of respect to their classmates they didn't want to tell me. That issue was buried and settled right there. My son doesn't get messed with no more when I call on yeshiva. That conversation was done with, over with. So girls, please hear me. Please hear me when I tell you that what a shame that because you and your moms both aren't brave enough to have real communication with each other. What a shame to the art of a relationship of a mother-daughter. The real art of a communication is being lost. Mothers, of course you're going to go nuts when you hear what your daughter tells you. But let me share with you something. It beats the alternative. Not knowing your daughter and not being able to be there for her when she needs you. Girls, let me tell you. <laughs> Let's have a straight up moment, okay? If you keep on living the life of negotiations, where I just need to get mom to say yes, I just need her out of my way, yeah, you'll be cool. Yeah, you probably will know how to get your mom to just give in to whatever you want. And if not, there's always the weak dad to come along. But let me tell you what you risk. You risk being a lonely girl, which means that one day you're unfortunately going to be a lonely wife, which means that one day you're unfortunately going to be a lonely mother. Think about this. Today you're sitting here as a daughter, thinking your mom doesn't understand you. Let's fast forward about 35 years. Who are we talking to then? Who's going to be sitting in your chair and who's going to be sitting in your mom's chair? Who's going to feel lonely then? You see, the art of communication, you need to be brave. You need to be able to forego your wanted results for the beauty of a moment. So what I'm going to close tonight with is one homework. One homework only. I'm going to ask mother, daughter, daughter's mother, that tonight, before you reach your house, you set a tea appointment with your daughter, mother, in either Starbucks, Barnes & Nobles, or Borders. Rosanna, let me tell you why I'm not laughing. 
do not take your daughter out to lunch or to dinner, and don't take her for a walk in the mall. I want you to leave your house with your daughter, and there should be nothing on that table but two cups of tea and a lot of time. Don't hide behind food. Don't hide behind window shopping. Don't give any room for any distractions. I want you to go with your moms. Girls, I'm going to tell you what I told the Beishana girls. Only then, I wasn't talking in front of mothers. I took a lot more liberties then. Girls, I'm going to have to ask you to do for your mother what she might not be able to do for you. I'm going to ask you to really set this appointment. I'm going to ask you to really tell your mom, no, I don't want a lunch. No, I don't want to go with you when you have to return something in the mall. No. I just want you to go with me for a cup of tea. No chips. No cookies. No distractions. Shut off your cell phone. We're just going to sit and talk. I promise you that I will not try to negotiate anything out of you. No permission, no iPod Nano, no nothing. Just an appointment, a tea appointment. Mother, daughter, little round table, two cups of tea, and uninterrupted time. Mothers, please withstand the Yiddish mama temptation of being your daughter's savior. She just wants to talk with you. Girls, respect your mother's heart condition and don't tell her everything in one shot. I'm not joking. Don't be stupid, girls. I'm asking you to be cautiously brave. Get your feet wet. Figure out if you could trust your mom. It doesn't just happen like that. Figure out, can I trust my mom? If I tell her something, what's she going to do? I want to talk to her about this. Pick something that, if you lose it, it isn't the worst thing in the world. Tell your mom a little sin. Not a big one. Be bright. I'm not talking to stupid people here. I'm talking to Jewish females. This is like the wisdom of the world here. Just be bright. Don't save your daughter. Don't correct your daughter. Don't judge your daughter. Don't give her that look of shock. Oh my God. No, oh my God. We were there. Let me tell you. As a father who has very open conversations with his sons. There is nothing, whether I admit it to my son or not, I appreciate if you don't admit it to him. There's nothing yet that any of my kids did that I haven't done. Would I tell them that? Some yes, some no. But one thing my kids will never get from me. <gasps> you what? I don't do that to my kids. I don't play saint. I just want to hear my kid. I want my kid to know, please hear me girls. What I'm saying now maybe shouldn't be recorded. One of the biggest concerns I have with my kids is that if, God forbid, anyone ever touches them inappropriately, they can talk to me. Mothers, 
are you sure that your daughters can talk to you? Because if the last time she told you something which was a tenth of a tenth of what I just said, and you went off the handle on her, don't expect her to talk to you. So mothers, I'm asking you, bite your lip. Don't ever, ever bring back to your daughter what she told you in that tea appointment, or you will never hear from your daughter again. Girls, expect your mothers to care about you. Test the waters. Tell her little things. Learn to appreciate that I'd rather have my mother know me and me to know her than to be able to flirt and get discounts and have this pods and do this text and have that stuff and tell this girl to tell her brother. Been there, done that. It isn't worth it compared to just having the open relationship. Do you know... I want to just tell you something, not in my notes, but I want to tell you one of the most beautiful moments I had with my son Chazak. It happened within the last two months. We're sitting by the table, and something happened between my son and I. And my son's classmate, will not mention his name, tells him, What did you tell your father that for? These are the words out of my son's mouth. My father knows me. This was the words out of my son's friend's mouth. I almost cried. My father doesn't know me. This is a real story. This is a real story that happened within the last two months. Forget about my pride in hearing my son tell his friend, my father knows me. Let me tell you the pride that I saw in my son's eyes that he was able to tell his friend. Don't be stupid. My father knows me. I want to tell you another story. Very personal story, so I'm going to keep away a lot of details. Someone who wasn't supposed to give my older son something gave him something. We're talking about a lot of money. My son told him, my father said, I shouldn't take this. Let me tell you what the other person said. You have to tell your father. This was cash put into my son's hand. My son answered that other person, I tell my father everything. The other person, who was an adult, pushed the money in my son's hand and left. That night, my son called me up and said, Tao, what do I do? So-and-so gave me money. And he told me the whole conversation. I asked him, do you think there was any legitimacy to telling a child not to tell his father something? He said, no, I would never do that to you. I told my son that what we're going to do is we're going to take that money, we're going to give it as a donation and tell them to send a notification to that person that a donation for this amount was made in your honor. That's exactly what my son did. Yeah, yeah. The details are not for now. So let me just share with you how my son felt, how I felt, and what was the outcome of that situation. My son lost a couple of hundred dollars. Now, forgive me, people. In my world and in my son's world, 
at the age of 15 and a half, a couple of hundred dollars was serious money. It wasn't like, don't worry, I'll give it to you and give it back to him. No, I wasn't giving it to you. Someone actually told me when I asked, what do I do? He said, well, give this on your money from you so he shouldn't lose. I said, over my dead body. How can I do that? You see, for you to be able to tell your friends one day, are you kidding me? My mother knows me. Or there's nothing I don't tell my mother. What, you tell your mother everything and she lets you? No, some yes, some no. I will tell you clearly, there are conversations, I told you before, there are conversations I have with my son that I don't know whether I should cry or freak out. That's the price, mothers. That's the price to have communication with your girls. Girls, there are times when your mother knows things about you, she's going to put her foot down. That's the price, girls, for having communication. Now tell me, are you the wise one who wants to experience the beauty and depth of the art of communication? Or do you just want to negotiate? Guys, I'm going to recap quickly in about 10 seconds everything we just had. Okay? So please remember the homework. Homework. From when you get into the car till you pull up to your house, you have made a tea appointment with your daughter, with your mother. No food. No shopping, no errands, no we'll talk in the car while I'm going. No. There's round table, two cups of tea, and uninterrupted time. Mothers, I asked you not to be your daughter's savior in that moment. If she asks you for advice, wisely give it. If she doesn't ask you for advice, bite your lip, swallow hard. Girls, be cautiously brave. Okay? Recap time. Number one, this is a Torah bird's eye approach, so tweak its delivery to your size and it will fit. Number two, both deserve to be heard, respectfully heard. Mothers, accept and be open that what you hear from your daughters must change how you see it. It doesn't necessarily change your opinion, but it respectfully hear what your daughter is saying. Daughters, once respectfully heard, your mother's voice is more than a 50-50 vote to yours. Third thing, mother-parent relationships need to be about communication and not about negotiation. Communication is about knowing and about being known. It is about bonding and not about getting what you want. Number four, there is no justifiable generation gap between you and your mother or daughter. There is a generation loneliness between you and your mother slash daughter. Last thing, make a tea appointment to communicate with each other and be cautiously brave.